0: my great um, privilege to be the first person that's done a project like this with young women and uh, it's also my great privilege to work with all of the people in our community who are supporting us.
1: Are there any others like this in Australia or is this the only one? This is the only one I know of in the world. That's Graham Wiggins, the director of the Bendigo Tech School, who's working with about 25 girls or young girls who are involved in a project to convert an old Range Rover into an all-electric car.
2: And that was Robert McLean, host of Climate Conversations, one of the many great shows on the Climactic Collective, the podcast network by and for Australia's climate community and New Zealand's, I always forget to say, Australia and New Zealand's climate community.
3: There are dire warnings that New South Wales will be hit by increasingly extreme weather. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began.
2: In
0: your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. The
2: rate is that's a great concern. And uh, what do you so. have that rain down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say... The will to act is itself a renewable resource. Yes, you are listening to Climactic, the flagship podcast of the Climactic Collective. I'm your host and publisher of the Climactic Collective, Mark Spencer, and we are bringing you in the month of July, a special topical selection of climactic episodes, highlighting the best from across the Climactic Collective of episodes focused on climate solutions. Now of course on the Climactic Collective we have shows from a wide variety of perspectives and intersections with climate. We talk about climate grief, climate awareness, how to talk about the climate crisis, but maybe climate solutions and how we're actually going to improve or get towards a way out of this situation is something we can definitely talk a lot more about. So what I've got for you here today is an episode of Climate Conversations, the wonderful program from and Robert McLean and this episode in particular is a look at a wonderful project from Bendigo where a group of students all girls is being given the opportunity to get some hands-on skills with electric vehicle retrofitting now of course we all know that in the future in the very near future we're going to need to see a lot more not petrol vehicles on the roads electric vehicle is going to play a huge role in that Uh, getting more of us into EVs is going to be an important solution to reducing emissions down to zero and reaching net zero ideally by 2030. So students with an aptitude for science, technology, engineering, math, getting them exposed to electric vehicles as early as possible and hands-on time is extremely important. There is a short interview with one of the students themselves at the end that will seriously lift your spirits and put a smile on your face for the rest of the day, so make sure to hang around for that. And thank you very much to Robert McLean for sharing this episode of Climate Conversations with you through the Climactic feed. Please make sure to get over to Climactic.fm to subscribe to his, a fantastic show, Climate Conversations. I now have the stats. I know that there's only a few of you, literally a handful, under 10, who subscribe to Climactic and who subscribe to Climate Conversations. So that means there is a few hundred of you. You can go over and check out Robert's amazing work on climate conversations, so get to it. And if you've got a suggestion for another great climate solutions-focused episode that you've heard from beyond the Climactic Collective or from one of the shows on the network, please just let me know and I'd love to feature it this month during our July focus on climate solutions. All right, enjoy this episode. intro music was In Paler Skies by Blue Dot Sessions.
1: Importantly, I should mention that I caught up with one of the pupils involved with the project, and so make sure you listen right to the end to hear what she has to say. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean, and I'm coming to you from Shepparton in Australia's northern Victoria, from the unceded lands of the Yorta Yorta people. This podcast, I hope, will allow you to better understand the implications and complications of the climate crisis. First we heard from a didgeridoo player, then an instrumental from Music for a Warming World, and you'll find a link to that Melbourne based group in an episode note. Join me as we explore another of the many stories to be found in the vast array of climate conversation. And please... If you enjoy this episode, feel free to share it with your friends. My first question to Graham was about the name of the program running at the Bendigo Tech School.
0: Uh, Well, it probably needs a better name. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, at the moment, we call it the Girls in STEAM, so the full acronym, uh, Science, Technology, Engineering, uh, Arts, Mathematics, Electric Car Project. We sometimes refer to it informally as the Jaunt project uh, because they're our major partner. Although we don't use that name formally because it excludes our other industry partners.
1: So, so is Jaunt a uh, Jaunt a local uh, car company or something?
0: Jaunt are a uh, um, local electric conversion company that has been set up specifically to convert uh, four wheel drives uh, into uh, vehicles for adventure on a community partnership model. Um, they've been going for about three and a bit years now. And um, so in terms of this project, they're the major partner that we work with in terms of getting the vehicle um, electrified. So what initiated this program, Graham? Um, well, I guess, just interest and passion for technology. Um, the seed for this was probably when I went to a conference and the Sydney school was talking about a project they did with girls that uh, where they they took a paddock wreck every year and they fully restored it and then sold it for charity, um, auctioned it for charity every year. And the, the teacher who presented that, I think it was actually Winona uh, College in Sydney, was talking about, um attitudes in the community towards women in STEM careers um and they'd always say I did you know who did the work on this car like and and you know there's there's probably a few stories I could tell you with this bunch of girls and attitudes from their families about their involvement but uh anyway look there was that that and, and that notion of using a very motivated very engaged organized um group of young people to uh to help do what essentially is, if you're doing it by yourself, a lot of work um, and also just a passion for what 10 years ago when the thought bubble for this started was the, um, and, and this, you know, what you've got to remember is when I first had the idea to do this, um, Tesla hadn't produced a single um, Model S at that stage and, um, you know, there were very few electric cars that you could buy and it was probably really off the back of the story of, um, the uh, the movie, Who Killed the Electric Car, that, that I think my interest in this space generated. Um, I actually started at the school I worked in at that time, but I left before I could uh, really get stuck into it. But we'd actually bought a car and we'd also connected with Ceres, who were in Brunswick. They were doing some early pioneering work on electric cars in Australia at that point in time. Uh, but mostly it's about the future of energy and transport and having a dialogue with our community about the fact that it's achievable and, um, and uh, so part of this project uh, and also the vision of Jaunt was to make sure that there was uh, community access through a, a community rental community enterprise program which is what we've set up.
1: I was going to ask is, is this program driven at all by the climate crisis?
0: Well, look, I, I think we we have to have the climate crisis in the front of our mind whenever we're talking about any um, design or uh, manufacturing, because every manufactured good has an impact on the environment. And I think you know front of mind with this particular project is because we are upcycling, uh, effectively. Um, you know, wrecked or, or you know cars or cars that had reached the end of their effective um, life cycle, that we are actually able to create um, new cars that produce zero emissions using existing you know to a large extent objects and and artefacts that had already been manufactured.
1: Um, I understand you got some funding for the project from Kirkland Gold, which is a yeah. locally based gold company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, so how much was that, and how important was that?
0: Well, that. Funding was very, very important um, to the project because effectively we needed three things to make this project happen. We needed, um, we needed some committed young women uh, and in some ways, you know, that can be really difficult if what you've presented doesn't align with their interests and uh, their values. So, uh, and, and there was, when, when I first floated this as a Girls in STEM project, there was a bit of doubt expressed in my community that I'd get the numbers of young women that I needed fortunately um turned out not to be the case um the other thing i needed was uh, obviously a car as well as a technology partner which we we achieved through um jaunt and we've got other industry partnerships in there including the discovery science and technology center where we will base the vehicle when it's um in in rental phase for the community and and they have charging and a, and a Tesla battery, um, you know, um, from sort got solar panels and a, and a Tesla battery we can use. And I guess the third thing is we needed a significant level of investment, which was provided by Kirkland Lake Gold through their community partnerships program and, the, that program was mostly designed to assist businesses in Lodden Campaspe, who had had a community focus and were impacted in their service delivery by COVID-19. But they also had um, a proportion of money set aside for girls in STEM initiatives, because they are particularly keen to get women working in the technology sector, because that, that suits their you know, long-term goals and visions. And um, so they, uh, they granted us $200,000.
1: Yeah, they're all girls in this project. So, mm-hmm. why girls, Graham?
0: Oh, look, mate, it's it's because of the underrepresentation of girls in tertiary STEM um, courses, and also their underrepresentation in manufacturing, in engineering, uh, and also in the trades. I think there's a lot of Prevailing attitudes that excludes young women or serve to exclude young women from considering these trades as a viable career. Now, in Bendigo, we have um, the, the largest contributor to the gross domestic um, product for the Greater Bendigo region is manufacturing, which is unusual for Australia. Um, you know, it usually tends to be health or education, uh, but but here, manufacturing is a really significant part of the local economic development of the region. And there's, you know, all of... Our industry partners and all of the manufacturers that I talk to are crying out for qualified staff that have really good employability skills and not able to secure them. Uh, So by tapping into women, we're we're able to uh, to tap into 50%, or not quite 50%, but a significant proportion of the the working population that currently isn't considering those careers. And I guess the other thing is that in 2019, the region released the Regional Engineering and Advanced Manufacturing roadmap uh, of which a couple of the goals were to debunk the myth that trades careers are dirty and underpaid um, and also to create a pipeline of jobs so this project really fits into those aspirations as well um, and you know the other thing is to acknowledge that there is a um, growing skills gap in Australia that we simply cannot fill um, with with our current enrollments so if you look at tertiary enrollments um, it's, and, and you exclude allied health, there's less than 10% of those places um, being taken up by women in Australia. And, and so those are really the things I wanted to address.
1: Yeah. Graham, I, I, the way I read it, and I'm not sure, but you don't have girls at your school, so you bring them in from surrounding high schools?
0: That's right. So, a quick masterclass on what Bendigo Tech School is and does. So, tech schools were set up as an aspirational. Um, series of innovation hubs that aim to give young people the skills they need for the jobs of tomorrow. So we cover entrepreneurship, we cover um, you know, technology, communication, you know, literacy, numeracy in, in in uh, programs that reflect the genuine needs and industry problems of each region where the tech schools are set up. So we're like a high-tech innovation hub, so we don't actually have any students of our own. We work with all of our partner schools within our local government area. So in Bendigo's case, we have 14 different schools that we work with. So what we've done is we've offered those schools the opportunity to be involved and young women from Four different schools have put their hands up and said, yes, we'd like to be involved. And so Bendigo South East College very generously gave us their automotive workshop for a whole term uh, where there was a gap in programming so that we could get started. And that's been really good because they also gave us uh, time in the the timetable as well, which was fantastic.
1: Yeah, so those girls are bussed in for the... Are they weekly programs or weekly?
0: Yeah, there's a weekly program. Now, because we've got 25, 26 young women in the program, what we do is we've divided them into two groups because the space isn't big enough for them all to work on the car at the same time. And most of the students come from Bendigo Southeast College uh, and then there's about a half dozen that come from other schools and their schools arrange to get them there, um, either you know, through parents or school transportation each week that we run the program. And to give you a measure of the success of – so we've only – unfortunately, we missed today's program because of uh, the lockdown – but we'd run five sessions, and the sessions are only two hours long. Uh, in those not even 10 hours, moving aside you know, briefing and communication and oh no and s stuff, we have managed to um, disassemble the Range Rovers to the point we're about to take it off its chassis. So that's not even 10 hours to get to that point, which is pretty remarkable. They started with a full car. Yeah. <laughs> They're so- like a swarm with tools. They're amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what years are those girls from, Brianne?
0: They range from year seven to ten. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of those girls are really passionate about the environment and just really want to make a difference for the future. And it's important to them to be involved in that project for that reason. A lot of them are thinking about engineering, and some of them just really like cars and they're considering, you know, careers in the car industry. and the sort of things that they tell me is that it's a lot easier than they thought it would be, and that working on the car in, and understanding about how a cars built has just been really useful knowledge and. and broken down a lot of misconceptions about um, the automotive trades. Uh, but the key thing is they're really enjoying it. Yeah. One of our students, she she actually, um, she does all of her classroom work at home uh, so that she's allowed to go in and spend extra time on the project during mm-hmm. her classes, um, and uh, which is really great. And she comes to every session um, just voluntarily. Yeah. And, you know, it's just really great to see that. Do
1: you think the girls have taken ownership of the project?
0: Oh, look, we're... We're not quite at the point where they have the level of agency that I would like them to have. I guess because it's taken so many years and we're working with a specific type of vehicle and a specific industry partner. We had to make a lot of those decisions early on, just to make sure that we could deliver the project. Um, and uh, but what I'm really hoping that they're going to do, because the the next phase of the project, you know, so we're currently in disassembly. We then have to do restoration, electric conversion, and reassembly. What I'm hoping is that when we get to the stage where we actually start creating the community enterprise and the project around that, that they're going to completely own that and, and design it and, and, and basically take over the project management. You know, But I think the most important thing, in, and this is using a, an educational theory known as Mahaley's flow theory, is you've got to start off with... Um, results that are easy to achieve, um, you know, very hands-on, very engaging, and then gradually increase the level of difficulty and commitment over time um, so that it's manageable. And so that's the way we've approached it, just with uh, a very hands-on beginning and then gradually introducing those project management um, theories uh, yeah. for which we have industry support for people in the community who are going to work with the girls to help them design their business plan. And uh, we've even had uh, Blackbird reach out to us and offer to assist as well, which is great.
1: Mm-hmm. There are, this will effectively be, well, the way I understand it, a Tesla with a Land Rover body. Is that what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, well, it's a. Um, so I guess the, it's important to distinguish that there's, um, there's Range Rovers and there's Land Rovers. Um, this one's a Range Rover Classic, so it was manufactured in 1982. It's a three door. The reason we chose that car, there were about three different significant reasons. One was as an engineering proposition they're quite similar to a Land Rover and that's the the work that Jaunt Motors are are doing with their conversion space so there was enough similarity that to jump across to Range Rovers was easy for them to do Um, it was actually so the the fellow who donated the car to us Doug Peters he's a he's a collector And um, he actually persuaded me that the Range Rover was a better project vehicle because it's far more spacious uh, in Mm. terms of its interior and the the space you can access under the bonnet. But also you can dismantle the entire car um, into pieces you can carry because everything is bolted together because they were flat packed. Um, The third reason was that you can pretty much buy every part for the car new that you might need because of the cult status attached to... That particular vehicle, and this particular car has become very desired and valuable um, over the past few years. I've seen unrestored original, um, you know, versions of these cars selling for up to $175,000. Um, know, you know, the market for the sort of you know car we started with is probably you know at a lower price point. But the point was, if we were going to be making this investment, that we should you know try to put the money into something that will retain its value.
1: I've seen pictures of you in overalls, Graham. Yes, <laughs> yes, mate. Is this, is this your hands-on sort of person? Or?
0: Well, look, actually, that is a really good point, and the answer is emphatically yes. I have always loved... Making, tinkering, designing, whether it was putting a cat run together for the cats or building my own furniture. And I started working on cars when I was in high school because I didn't have enough money to pay a mechanic. Um, and uh, I just used to get the the Haynes and the Gregory's manuals and, and reverse engineer everything. And look, there were a couple of disasters, to be fair, <laughs> um, uh, but all a learning experience. And um, for me, you know, my role here at the University and at the tech school is um, is very administrative at times, so having the uh, you know the ability to jump into uh, a hands-on practical project that young people are enjoying so much has really been a a fantastic opportunity and the part of my job that I'm enjoying the most at the moment uh, because all of those skills that I've accumulated ever since I was a volunteer on a steam preservation railway um, right through to studying fine art and design are are able to be deployed in um, in this particular project and you know uh, Doug comes up and helps out sometimes and uh, Rob Forbes who is the teacher who assists to coordinate over at BSE is a former panel beater as well as an artist so he has that that beautiful sense you know, sensitivity of somebody who uh, has come from both a creative and a practical background so and uh, we're able to pass on all of those skills and knowledge collected over several lifetimes to these young women so I think it's a it's a great legacy in a way to be able to pass on that knowledge
1: Graham, has someone designed? has someone drawn up a plan for the project like do you know what the car's going to look like when it's finished
0: or? uh look we um we haven't. We've well, okay. So we've we've actually got a project plan and timeline. Um, but in terms of what it will look like, it will look like a standard 1982 Range Rover, except that when you open the bonnet, there will be a great big battery box sitting on top of a um, a Tesla motor and a and a re-engineered transfer case, that lowers the torque and power to something that the Range Rover axles can can handle and that'll bolt straight onto the prop shaft. So there's a great deal of mechanical simplicity Compared to a conventional vehicle, because we've done away with the engine, the the, um, the you know the transmission, uh, the the fuel lines, the fuel tank, and all of the ancillary services that were originally driven by belts, and replaced those all with electrical systems. Um, there's a fair to even chance it'll have an air suspension, so a um you know electric compressor driving an air suspension because that makes it safer. As a rental vehicle, we think that's important when you sit in the car, the major difference that you'll notice from a Range Rover Classic of that era is that there's no transmission controls at all. It'll just be a a carpeted transmission hump and there'll be a a little black box that essentially controls um, all of the systems, several different driving modes, and we'll integrate the original switching into systems where we can um, but we will have to you know re-engineer things like the um the gauges because the fuel has to be converted to show charge uh, it'll have a defender pedal or a recent model defender throttle pedal because that it needs a um, a digital output and a and an analog pedal can't do that. Um, and uh, we have to re-engineer things like the power steering and the braking system and the the HVAC for heating and cooling as well. So it'll um, still
1: be a four-wheel drive,
0: though. It will still operate as a four-wheel drive, absolutely. Um, so we'll have a Tesla
1: uh, motor front and back, or
0: one one Tesla motor, but with a re-engineered um, torque reduction transfer case um, that that connects directly to uh, the uh, the front and rear prop shaft.
1: And what's, the, what's the finish time for this?
0: Well, we don't know. There's <laughs> <It's> a <laughs> lot of variables and, yeah. and COVID-19 and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we're also going to encounter a lot of de- delays with importing parts from overseas, which is a little bit inevitable um, because most of the parts that we need are located in the UK. Um, I guess... Uh, optimistically we're saying we'd love to have it on the road within two years of the start date which was March this year Uh, so if we looked at um, having it completed for March 2023 I think that's very achievable we'd actually really like to take it to the energy breakthrough in Maryborough in November of 2022 um, because that's you know, the right audience um, to to sort of have a bit of a launch event. And it it might well happen sooner or that, but, as you could appreciate with both a restoration and a conversion, there's a lot of variables that we have to address, but we do have amazing support from our industry industry community. Um, you know, when this story went national, we were contacted by a lot of people. One was a local auto-elect guy who was just so enthusiastic about what we're doing and wanted to help, you know, have tours of the workshop, talk to the girls about his career, um, maybe even do some of the work down on site. But he said, oh, I just, you know, really, really, really want to be involved mm. and the the more traction we get with our community the more people who say oh look i just want to help however i can and that's just really great um for, the, for those uh, girls to have so much support from yeah. our community yeah so the
1: story the abc story said there are 25 girls involved is
0: that still the case Oh, there's more now. More is that <laughs> I <again>? lost one <laughs> I lost one but I gained two. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. and uh, and actually to be honest, every session I've run there seems to be a, a new person. I'm I'm uh, I'm wearing a pathway down to the place that sells overalls, trying <laughs> to keep up with them. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, I've heard about
1: STEM, that's um science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, but yeah. STEM is sort of a new new one on me. So you well you put look, arts it, in there.
0: Well, we do put arts, but we put arts in the broadest liberal arts sense because, and, uh, and look, there's all sorts of ways of explaining these sorts of innovation programs. Uh, one I like from Templestowe College's s so that's putting entrepreneurship ahead of the, uh, ahead of the STEAM part. Okay. Um, there's, uh, you know, other, there's all sorts of other acronyms, but all we're essentially acknowledging is that when you have STEM, you have the conditions of invention, but you don't have innovation until you've scaled up and you've made an impact, and that's where the liberal arts comes in in terms of understanding you know markets, production systems, project management, aesthetics, um, you know all of those things together are what any enterprise needs in order to achieve uh, innovation success. Uh, so that's why we throw the a in in a very general sense, um, just and also acknowledging that there is you know connectivity beyond the the core uh, you know, subject areas um, mm. for the young people who might have more of an interest in in the um, in the creative side of the project than so much so than the um, the hands on or the engineering aspects. We want to be inclusive, um, but here at La Trobe we do say it's STEAM, not STEM, because we want we're more than just inventing stuff. We want to talk about the innovation development cycle as well.
1: You keep keep mentioning La Trobe, so as Bendigo Tech school a part of La Trobe or something?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. So every one of the 10 tech schools in Victoria are hosted by a tertiary partner. So in our case, La Trobe is our host. And what that means is that they're contracted by the Department of Education to deliver the services in the tech school for a 20-year period. Um, and so I'm a La Trobe employee as are my team. And, um, and that's the other really great thing is we have that pathway for those young women to come onto campus and see what happens here uh, and to, you know, to make them feel welcome and that the university environment is accessible. Graham, you're no, pretty excited about all this. Oh, look, I am. Mm. And uh, it's, you know, I'm excited because... I'm connecting all of these people in my community, um, industry, young people, education pathways, um, new technologies, um, you know, and and looking to the future rather than just um, working within the the fixed term reference of what we have. And, you know, you, you... You've, what you've really got to understand is there has been an explosion in global demand for electric vehicles, and there's more interest than ever in this, this sort of work that we're doing. Um, and it just, it's just my great um, privilege to be the first person that's done a project like this with young women. And uh, it's also my great privilege to work with all of the people in our community who are supporting us.
1: Are there any others like this in Australia, or is this the only one?
0: This is the only one I know of in the world. In the world, like wow, yeah, a girls in STEM electric car project. Like there's loads of people who do electric car conversions. There's loads of people. You know, I think there's at least uh, three or four electric Range Rovers getting around um, here and there. I know of another two in Australia at least that are happening at the moment. But this is the only um, girls in STEM program that I'm aware of to get young women um, in in the electric conversion space. And it's you know it's a pretty important project to me uh, just because we're we're creating those opportunities for this group of and they are such a funny, (laughs) good-natured, cooperative. You know, you couldn't ask for a better team, and they're they're just so motivated. I'm it's a it's a great privilege. What
1: what happens, Graham, if these girls decide that this is really what they want to do when they're at a high school? Yeah. Do they change schools or change their subjects or what happens? Well,
0: Well, that's a really good question, and in the Bendigo context. We have uh, what's called the Bendigo Education Plan model. So that means that students in high school go to one high school for year 7 to 10 and then they go to Bendigo Senior Secondary College or to one of the independent um, providers in Bendigo for their year 11 and 12. Now, the advantage is that most of those, um, you know, senior secondary providers also have vet and Vcal programs. one of those is actually really fantastic it's called head Start that's basically an apprenticeship in schools program where you might work a couple of days a week while you still you know you study for the other um, three three and a half days. So um, what we'd hope is that some of these young women, when they get to Bendigo senior in a year or two, would actually decide to um, undertake an apprenticeship through the head Start programme and there would be support from an employer for them to do that as well.
1: Would any of these girls have a driver's licence or are they too young?
0: Uh, I don't think a single one of them would. Uh, there mm. might be a couple are old enough to have a learner's. Actually, one of the things I've joked about is that they might be able to use the car to do their uh, driving licence <laughs> test in <laughs> as, as a thank you. <laughs> so we, we hope that that happens because that would be a wonderful story, wouldn't it? Actually doing your licence test in the car you built yourself, yeah. um, provided that mm. we – actually, I don't think it matters. I was just thinking we might exceed the um, the power um, requirements for P-platers, but I don't think it matters when you're a learner. That's um, an interesting
1: point because doing mm. a lot – because – I know there's a difference in licenses between automatics and manuals, isn't there? So Mm. where does an electric car fit in?
0: Well, you can make them either way. Um, so the, the cars that Jaunt have built to date, they have been EV on transmission adapter plate, We're actually they're um, either their first or their second Tesla conversion uh, that does away with the transmission altogether, um, depending on which one goes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other one will be a, uh, a Land Rover. And um, so uh, ours will be uh, fully automatic with regenerative braking.
1: This leads your climate grief. Have a listen to this 14-year-old student from Bendigo Southeast, Lily, who is working on the conversion of a Range Rover to an electric car. She's one of more than 20 girls involved with the project. Hello, Lily.
3: Oh, hello. Lovely to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you too, Lily. What school do you go to, Lily, and what year are you in?
3: I go to Bendigo Southeast, and I'm in year nine.
1: And why did you get involved with this project?
3: I think this project's incredibly important to a lot of uh, young women around me. Electric cars, I believe, are the way of the future, so we really have to make um, make more in Australia and see more around. I think it's also really important that a lot of young women get involved, and I think we're really fortunate to be able to have this opportunity, so I jumped on board.
1: So has this project influenced your ideas for a career?
3: Um, Most definitely. Perhaps not having a uh, career in uh, mechanics or something along those lines. But something along like uh, environmental or electric um, energy instead of gas, that's definitely something I'd like to look at.
1: You mentioned before that you feel electric cars are important to the future. So why do you think that?
3: Well, we've only got one climate. And we've, if we've only got one planet, there's, there's no plan B. I think we really have to start acting upon climate change. We only have we're running out of time. We're, we're, we've already run out of time, I believe. And I think we're already heading to a point that's really, really dangerous for everyone involved. Um, electric cars are a way we can reduce carbon emissions and a way we can try and keep this planet cleaner. If we look at European countries, they're already making such leaps and bounds. And I think Australia is a first world country, so we need, and we need to start acting that way and we need to get some electric cars here.
1: I was going to ask you why the climate crisis is important to you, Lily, but I think you've answered all that. So, <laughs> Will you see this project through to its conclusion, Lily?
3: Definitely. I think that's the plan. With COVID um, and lockdown, we've had to postpone it a couple of weeks. So it will run longer than expected, but at the end I'm really excited to have a finished car.
1: Have you found the work on the on the car difficult or hard or just confusing or how's it been?
3: Well, look, there are definitely some moments where you've got to stop think and okay what am I actually trying to do here you know some bolts that are too tight and a lot of parts are rusty and look a bit different to what they might look today but I definitely think um the work's been manageable and I think we've had such great guidance from the tech school and from Bendigo Southeast that we're able to do it well.
1: Is this project what you expected it would be?
3: Um I think it is to a degree I guess I expected um some I guess less sort of uh, help but I think we've achieved a nice amount of help from our industry and I also um, did not expect to have so many days where we'd go out and actually have a look at people doing jobs like mechanics and things like that and like real world experience I didn't expect that but I'm so grateful for it
1: so the boys around you are a bit envious of what you're doing
3: Oh, most definitely. They're all so generous. I've heard them all complaining, oh, how come the girls all get to do this? But that's the thing. I think if we didn't have this program specifically for girls, you would see two in it perhaps. And I think this is an industry that can be um, have both genders or all genders, so we don't need to divide it like that. But I think having a program just for girls, perhaps it can be one just for boys in the future.
1: So what happens for you personally once this project is over, Lily?
3: Tech School and Bendigo South East always make sure there's lots of opportunities for you. So I'm really looking forward to the future once this car is completed to see it being a social enterprise. And then I'm looking forward to whatever other programs that Bendigo Tech School come up with.
1: So you wouldn't have your license, I imagine?
3: Oh, not yet. Only 14. Got a couple more years to wait. <laughs> there's,
1: there's some suggestion you might be able to use this car to get your license.
3: Oh, yes. Well, that's, they're looking at lots of different um ways we can help that we can make this car into for the community so I'm really excited to see where that goes.
1: So what will your involvement with that be?
3: Um, Well obviously I'll be helping uh, all the other girls with making the car into I guess looking nice as well but we're hoping that it can also be brought into the community as either something to help young drivers or to be able to go around like a tourist sort of attraction.
1: Have you been in an electric car lily
3: um i have and i've seen i've seen a couple obviously not driving but as a passenger i have
1: would you like to say something about the project
3: um i yeah well i'd just love to say how awesome and lucky we are to have this project but i'm also really um excited for like your podcast and i really love how people are talking about climate change because it's such a real issue we've got one planet and we really need to address it so thank you
1: yeah thanks lily
3: Just like one more thing to add. Um, I'd really like to say thank you to Graham Wiggins from the tech school. He's sort of one of the men that have pulled it all together. So he's definitely one to thank And everyone around us that have helped us so much.
1: He's a wonderful enthusiast, isn't
3: he? Oh, he's incredible. And he's really looking at technology for the future. It's incredible. I'm so excited.
1: Thank you, Lily. I appreciate that.
3: Awesome. Well, lovely meeting you. Have a good day.
1: You too. Nice to meet you. Climate Conversations is produced with the support of the Melbourne-based Climactic Collective and is one of more than 20 podcasts that make up that collective. More about the collective and the associated podcasts can be found at climactic.com.au. Responsibility for Climate Conversations rests with me, but you could help with the questions. And if something is not being asked of whom it should be asked, then please make a suggestion and contact me on McLean, number seven at iCloud.com. To access earlier episodes of Climate Conversations, go to the Climactic Collective website. Click on the Climate Conversations artwork, and that will allow you to look at all the past episodes. In all the chaos and rhetoric surrounding the Climate Conversation, I urge you to put your faith in genuine climate science and remember that action is the best antidote to despair, and that, I must note, is one of the drivers of this podcast. Of course, we should also remember that we always need to be kind, for whoever we meet is fighting a great battle. That wraps up this episode of Climate Conversations, and so until we talk again, please take care.